0: Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. The child of Afghan immigrants, Fahim Anwar, grew up in Seattle, went to the University of Washington, and got a job at Boeing. In aerospace engineering to make his parents proud. But Anwar had a different dream, and no, I don't mean the dancing machine Lance can't us. He took a job in Long Beach, so he could drive to stand-up open mics in Los Angeles, and he was able to quit the day job once gigs on TV shows such as Chuck and Disaster Date proved he had staying power. He's also performed on Conan, Late Night with Seth Meyers, The Carmichael Show, At Midnight, and the movie Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. His first one-hour special, There's No Business Like Show Business, is out now on CISO. Well, there's no place to discuss the comedy business quite like the basement of the comedy store on the Sunsets Trip, where Anwar and I could catch up and make sense of it all. So let's get to it! Yeah, Fahim, just get back into that space you were at uh, some woman's house in Glendale. Yeah, Glendale. The, in Glendale, when yeah. you were auditioning. See,
1: it sounds much worse than, it's just an mm-hmm. audition. But when it's at our house, it does sound right. weird when you say some woman's house you were at. Right. But it was the truth. But she dressed it up nice It looked like a Pier 1 in there It was very accommodating Is there a separate uh, audition room With like a green screen? There is There was a curtain Mm -hmm. Sort of like the curtain they have Before first class Kind Mm -hmm. of one of those And then a door behind it Seems overkill Like the curtain door combo Right They were literally like Two feet away from each other (laughs) I don't need two gateways To get into this room
0: (laughs) But that's how you know It's legitimate show business I
1: guess so Yeah Curtains
0: Right. This is the first time I've been in Hollywood during pilot season, but for you, this is old <laughs> hat. Old <laughs> hat,
1: yeah. Do you remember your first pilot season? Kind like of. Yeah, maybe it wasn't uh, running around town because I think I was still working at Boeing. So I would go out for little things. Wait, it, so
0: you were doing both at the same time? You were working at Boeing? Yeah,
1: yeah, and doing stand-up and then auditioning. Seattle, in Seattle and Everett? No, in... I mean, I I worked at Boeing in Long Beach. Okay. Yeah. So that's what got me out here. It was all very premeditated. So I made sure to get a job in Southern California. Right. Long Beach was the closest I could get. Mm -hmm. They have a nice airport in Long Beach. They do. I try to fly into there when I can because it's very chill. It's like a mom and pop airport. It's so much nicer than LAX. You could just arrive 30 minutes early and then be on time.
0: Okay. So your first pilot season, you're working at Boeing in Long Beach. Yeah. And And sometimes
1: I'd get a- Did you have representation? Yeah. Towards the end, I did. Okay. So- Yeah, they would uh, send me a lot of stuff, but I couldn't – I would really really have to pick my battles. I couldn't go out for everything because – What was your job at Boeing at the time? I was doing – I was an aerospace engineer, Mm -hmm. so I did stress analysis on the floor beams for the 747-8 freighter and the 747-8 passenger.
0: Is that a (laughs) – now, at that that pay grade, Mm -hmm. is that still like a shift job where you're working like a 9 to 5 or is that –
1: yeah, yeah, it's like it's a job, it's a career for some.
0: <laughs> no, but I I mean in terms of the hours though, the flexibility of the yeah. hours. When did I get? Do it? you have flexible
1: hours at that pay
0: grade? Not really. Engineering
1: still... is still it's close to tech, but it's not. And that tech is very cool. Kumbaya, mm-hmm. Razor scooters, take the time you need to find yourself and come in when you want. Uh, aerospace is still stuck in the 50s. It's like mission control, be in your seat. Mm-hmm. Being at your seat from You know, clock in to clock out is almost more important than the work you do.
0: So it's very corporate. So you really do have to pick what your battles. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And and if I have a because my excuses would be a long lunch or maybe a doctor's thing. So Mm -hmm. I had to, I couldn't do that all the time. I'd really have to choose which projects make the most sense. Not that I was killing it, auditioning it, you know. Well, did you
0: get anything that first pilot season? I
1: did, no, no, I don't think. Uh, Actually, yeah, while well, I was still working at Boeing, I tested for community. Mm-hmm. So it went to Danny Putty, you know, or Danny Putty, I never know how to say his last name. But it was between me and four other guys. So that was kind of cool. I came so close, yeah. I, I would have yeah. made so much imaginary money. Because <laughs> they work out your deal, the test deal how it works is if you're in the running if you're when they narrow it down to mm-hmm. two or three however many right. people it is you gotta work on your deal so your people work it out how much money you would make if the show goes okay so it's funny you see this imagine this number it's a nice little number but it's contingent on you getting the part
0: <laughs> and that's so a per episode it's, it's this funny and it's f- also a per yeah, episode yeah. so then you're also playing out uh huh oh, like oh if it, this goes okay, for this nine, many episodes it's definitely 13 it'll go, maybe it'll <laughs> maybe go it'll seasons
1: <laughs> Like I'm just pretending it's mash, right? <laughs> uh, no,
0: Community was hashtag six seasons. It was in a movie, great, although no movie yet. Yeah, um, that would have been dope. would right. be yeah, very different. So, at what point did you have to? Did you have to let the Boeing people know, or did they sort of figure
1: out that you were also I an kept entertainer? My, no, I kept my world separate, just because I don't. I don't want to be the funny guy or I don't – when somebody knows you're a stand-up comedian, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of annoying if uh, they're not – sure, I had some friends there or whatever, mm-hmm. but not like super close – I don't know, Doug from accounting or – I don't want him mm-hmm. to know I do stand-up because then there's this perception and it's just, it's just a weird thing. I like keeping right. my world separate. So I didn't tell anybody and I didn't want them to think my work was being affected by this side thing I do. Right. So yeah, I didn't let them know. Except three days before uh, I was going to leave to do disaster date because they needed me for three months. That's mm-hmm. why I left. Um, some guy Googled me and then the whole office knew. So those last three days were kind of annoying. Right. His name was Reza. Persian <laughs> dude. Uh-huh. Nothing against Persians. No. But you would think that if I haven't told anybody for three and a half years, right. maybe it's for a reason.
0: <laughs> Wasn't Bill Nye the science guy a former Boeing? Yeah, I think Boeing.
1: so. Yeah.
0: Are you from Seattle too? Is I that am, yeah. yeah. You too, thought, right? Yeah. Right. Well, are you from I, or you spent some time there? I spent six years in the Seattle area. Okay. Then that's where I f- kind of fell in love with comedy was at the Comedy Underground.
1: Okay. Yeah. I love that place. Yeah. It, it, they moved. It's not. No. Yeah. It's still underground, but I, I have not. It was at a, the
0: original location. at Swanee's. There. Yeah. With the baseball men upstairs, uh-huh. and the baseball groupies.
1: Uh, we also share a, uh, a love of dance. I didn't know that you love dance this much, so how did you get into dance?
0: Um, I got into dance um, – well, I mean I love dancing just in general. Um, at one point um, when it was – when the Comedy Underground was where – originally was in Pioneer Square. Uh, diagonally across the street was the Phoenix and the Phoenix Underground. Oh, yeah. I remember which, hearing those which, ads all the time. Which got damaged in the earthquake, one of the right. earthquakes. But before that, uh, when swing dancing was a huge craze – huh. They would have swing dance nights on the same night as the open mic, and I would go – I would you're, do you're both. In, you're in heaven, I man. would do both. And sometimes I got some of the other comedians like Dwayne Goad. Oh, go really? Over. Yeah, to go – I over. feel like Dwayne would. Yeah. That, yeah that, he was already alley. dressed like yeah, exactly. go swing dancing. Um, but at one point, um, I think Joe Vespasiani was headlining. Uh-huh. That's a name from Seattle. Yeah, that. I remember Joe. And I was dancing in the back of the room to whatever the music was playing. As they were seating and joe said you have to do that on stage <laughs> so they so he and uh carl S. man warmenhoven oh yeah I love carl uh called me dancing boy and they just introduced me <laughs> to that and it became a recurring thing but i never took it outside of, well no one time i did take it outside of the underground i performed at aflac afflack conference oh really yeah they're, they're like please dancing welcome
1: boy. dancing boy yeah and they're like we don't this inside joke's not working yet.
0: no not for this <laughs> podcast anyhow so tell me about your t- <laughs> because you've made a short film yeah you've where where is
1: your dancing my dancing come from
0: was that was that something you were passionate about or or interested in before comedy
1: yeah for sure i think uh well just because i loved michael jackson from a very early age and all that's his music he, videos. That's, that's, he that's he all starts, it starts, man. That's the uh, that's the gateway, that's <laughs> the Jackson gateway likes it when you're Like, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> no, like. So I would record all his music right. videos. I would slow them down. I mm-hmm. would try to learn. Like I learned Billy Jean. That was the first routine that I learned on my how own. How old were you? I I really it was so young. I can't even. Maybe two. Maybe yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Two three.
0: And your parents were supportive of your. Childhood I get. It. I get. It. Or... It's
1: not like I was running away from home to be a dancer or anything. Of course, Just I like mean, when there's a cute kid dancing, it's... but did
0: they get you outfits so you could really pull it off?
1: I think because sometimes I would the do. Sequined? I would dance for talent shows and mm-hmm. stuff. I used to have this whole method where I would run for ASB office, like treasurer, like student, so yeah, 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 body yeah student like body stuff, mm-hmm. and the talent show would always happen before elections. Right. So I would dance to Billie Jean, and then everyone would vote for me. Which is the dumbest shit ever. That's how dumb kids are, though. They're like, yeah, yeah, I remember that kid danced like Michael Jackson. I'll vote for him.
0: When you – you've seen Napoleon Dynamite.
1: Yes. So when you Uh, watched –
0: Oh, that was – So when you watched that, did you think, hey, they stole that from my life (laughs) or –
1: A little. I mean, obviously I could relate to it just because dancing at an assembly.
0: For (laughs) – as part of a campaign – yeah, but it wasn't but it wasn't that
1: closely tied. Right. It wasn't for a campaign thing, okay. but it was a subliminal thing. Right. Cuz at least there's brand awareness. <laughs> I was I'm that young calling about or talking about brand awareness. <laughs> my dad is got to raise my profile. <laughs> Team Fahim. Uh-huh. Okay. So so Michael Jackson's how I got into dancing yeah. and then just then I got into break dancing in high school. I was not good, but I was into it. Mm-hmm. And then what however I dance now is just sort of how I feel and just Michael Jackson is the foundation and whatever I'm whatever movements I do now are just right. an evolution of that I guess but I'm not trained or anything I'm not I just have rhythm and that's that's right. really all you need rhythm and confidence is really all you need for dancing
0: would you ever do so you think you can dance
1: no sure. no that no that would, that would be weird I, I, that's for people who who want a career in dancing <laughs> I would get cut the first round the thing is, people think I'm a great dancer, but that's just because they're in the comedy world. Right. I'm good for a comedian, <laughs> but put me in a dancer world, I'll get eaten alive. So when did the first impulse
0: toward comedy come?
1: Uh, well, pretty early, I guess. Not not necessarily stand-up. I didn't find that until I think I was 17 or 18. That's when it came on, became on my radar.
0: So what were you thinking before that?
1: Just I loved, like, uh, I loved movies. I loved SNL. Mm. I loved The Simpsons. I would say those are my biggest comedic influences, The Simpsons and SNL. And I liked performing. I liked making sketches. Even when I was really young, I would make videos. I just knew I wanted to either act or make videos and stuff. And then SNL. I wanted to be on SNL. That's what it was. And and then I researched how people got on the show. And it was groundlings. And it was improv or stand-up. And it just seemed like stand-up. Right.
0: Aerospace engineering was not. No, that right. was
1: that was a means to an end. And also, my parents were paying for college. But only certain degrees and engineering okay. was so the lowest degree nine. I could get. Yeah. I actually opened with theater and my dad shot that down very fast. So he, yeah, he wasn't going to pay for a theater degree, which in hindsight is great. I'm glad he did that because you don't need a theater degree to do what we're doing. No. Yeah. <laughs> and you're in. well, look, they'd be paying for it, but most people are in debt and they have a theater degree and they're trying to pay that off and they're not further along in their career. So when you decided to do
0: aerospace engineering, like you said at the top of the interview, was it all premeditated then?
1: To do engineering?
0: No, to use the engineering to oh, give yeah. an excuse it, to get into show business. It, or at least it, it, proximity to show business.
1: Well, my parents were going to pay for college, mm-hmm. so I'm going to get a degree. I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. So i want to be out in four years i'm not trying to find myself or anything and i want to be able to support myself so that's why i did it and then i knew that once i had the degree i would just apply to jobs in southern california because i would have to be out here it's here in new york but new york i'm a west coast kid it makes no sense for me to go all the way over there and it's closer to seattle so i could visit home It just made sense to to move to la so i just applied to jobs in socal that was, It was, yeah, very calculated.
0: Had you done any comedy in Seattle before?
1: Oh, yeah. I had been doing stand-up for four years, I think, before I got the job. Yeah, so I had made the rounds. I would kind of done as much as I could out there, and eventually you have to make the move. I would say two years minimum. You want to stay in a smaller market before moving. Even that's kind of premature, but... Sometimes when I hear comics, or they're doing it for a year and they're like, I got to go to New York or L.A. two years at minimum to find a semblance of your voice and know how to write a joke at least because you're going to be – stage time's going to be hard to come by when you go to this new place where it's everybody.
0: Who, who were you running around with in Seattle at that time?
1: Uh, I was like super young. So I didn't really have a ton of peers my age, but I remember kicking it and I – I love Tracy Tufts. He was so funny. I love Tracy. Dwayne Goad. Mm-hmm. Um, Yoshi. I would see who else. Hmm. I mean, Bradley Lewis. Every now and then, mm-hmm. he would probably he was like a mythical figure. <laughs> he would just kind of blow in and out. Harold Gomez, Ty Barnett. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, who I else? Know uh, all these names. Tony Moser. Um, I remember Doug Gale was doing it for a bit. Bra- Brian Reader or Blaine, Blaine Reader. Sorry. Who else? I'm just going down memory lane. Joe, as you mentioned, Brad Upton. But these aren't guys that we started together, but these right. are just guys in the scene that I, I remember. And then Jeff Dye came later. Okay. I think maybe after I'd been doing it two or three years, He, him, Brian Moot, Luke Seeley. There's kind of the new class. But yeah, my, my guys were a little older just because I was, I was 18 when I was running around.
0: So the idea of knowing to to wait a couple years and then bolt. Mm-hmm. Was that? Were you getting that that sage advice from comics in Seattle, or, or or from watching other comedians leave Seattle, and then
1: this is from this is from self mm-hmm. uh, experience, and it wasn't by design that I stayed out for that long. It's just that's how long it took for me to get my degree. So <laughs> so that's why I left, and it's good because four years is a good amount of time. Right. Um, and I've been around long enough to know. I think all comics could agree that two years is a good benchmark for knowing how to write a joke at least. Not that you found your voice after two years, but you're not going to find it before two years. It's very rare. So, yeah, that that's my advice to comedians is do two years in a smaller market, then go somewhere else.
0: Okay. And I think the first time I remember really s- – seeing you was you were a guest star on Chuck? Chuck
1: I was still working at Boeing when I taped that yeah
0: that's gotta be a wild experience
1: yeah cause I I left for a week or eight days shooting in uh, Burbank the Warner Brothers lot just over the hill mm-hmm. so I told them I had a family emergency at work so that I could bounce for eight days mm-hmm. and then filmed it came back to work <laughs> like nothing ever happened and then, luckily, there was a huge lead time for when gonna it was going to air. Yeah. So it didn't even air until after I left Boeing. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> so that must have been a nice little treat. Like I'm out, and they're like, I sat next to that guy. <laughs> That's weird. He never told me.
0: Right, and and then the episode you were in, you were really cool. And well, had, like, I was.
1: Uh, I don't know if I was cool, but well, I had Well, you a cool had these gadget. like sunglasses yeah. that
0: like made you like turned you into a super. Right.
1: <laughs> it gave me what Chuck could do. Yeah. The, the intersect. <laughs> We're getting very specific. I mean, the Chuck fans are, are loving this, but everybody else is like, and, "Why are and you?" And fans of Subway sandwiches. <laughs> True. How funny that they teamed up because they were they were on the brink for a while,
0: right? And then so <laughs> then it was just a
1: blatant product placement, product
0: integration. Yeah.
1: Have you seen the Hawaii Five O clip on YouTube? No, because they do the same thing. Like, there's this clip on Hawaii Five O where there's this like Samoan dude or I don't know. He's he, there's a sub sandwich in front mm-hmm. of him, and he's little. It's not even couched into the scene is straight up it goes into commercial mode it's jarring it's hilarious he's like yeah the sweet chicken teriyaki it's fantastic you get a six inch and uh, yeah you gotta check it out
0: Well, this year, this season of Saturday Night Live, they started doing that too. Yeah, they and you, can tell. Oh, and you yeah. can tell. Oh, yeah. Do you a think sketch... the Honda thing was one of them? Yeah, for sure. Where the sketch completely revolves around. There was one that was like a Burger King drive-through. Oh, yeah, that's and right. And it's very specifically a Burger King drive-through, not just some random. That was basket. their effort
1: to pare down the commercials. Yeah, yeah.
0: Is we'll just we'll just base a sketch around a, a company.
1: But they're doing a better job at it than this Hawaii Five-O. Right. You gotta Google it; it's great.
0: Although it's still very noticeable. Uh-huh. Like, oh, yeah, this is just an ad fraud.
1: If you're younger, I don't think you'd right. be able to catch it.
0: You have to be in the know.
1: Right. I think we read the article, and now we're sniffing it out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, we have the intersect. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm actually I'm wearing them right now.
0: Okay. Um, that moment when you left Boeing, was it – did you have enough financial security, or did you just have enough professional security in knowing that you were making the decision to leave – And do comedy full-time and acting.
1: Right. It was a little bit of both. I had saved some money up from Boeing, but mentally I didn't want to dip into that because that would, it would scare me that I'm dipping into this Boeing money. Um, But I did have that just in case. But what it was, was I had done the stand-up, the NBC stand-up for diversity thing. I think I got second in it. So I had some colleges lined up. So there's some income there. And then also the MTV Disaster Date, there's some money there. And then uh, – oh, I think I got Montreal maybe around then. So then there was – those three things were enough for me to make the leap. But the big thing was me having to leave to film the Disaster Date for three and a half months. I wouldn't be able to do it right. if I was still – so I that was see, it.
0: There were no more excuses.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a huge chunk of time. Right. It's you can't not. Say I'm it's not two days. I yeah, need maternity leave. Exactly. So that's what it was. And I had I a few. I have an imaginary girlfriend
0: in Canada, <laughs> and she's pregnant. And
1: uh... yeah, I use all my excuses up. But and then I've never had to dip into my Boeing money. So that was a nice little. I had a few things in place. Okay. Yeah. So on the you... on the entertain on the entertainment side, so mm-hmm. I never had to dip in that. I was just making not a ton of money, but enough. Right. I I, I don't have expensive taste or anything. I, just live pretty normal
0: how important is it especially being in los angeles versus new york say how important is it to have like a di- enough diversity in the work you're doing so you're not just leaning on stand up versus or leaning on yeah. getting a a role in a in a I pilot I think it's very in
1: important to not just do one thing it's kind of funny my trajectory cuz early on I had gotten some tv things and I didn't really have any stand-up love. So it, it's strange for me to get the TV stuff before the stand-up. That doesn't happen a, a ton. Right. Um, and, like, now I'm starting to with some late-night sets and the special and everything. But even when you're putting around town, it's hard to get up. Part of the reason I got into to Sketch is because I always loved it as a kid. But then also it was hard to get up. Because it's new people, new scenes, clicks, and all that. Stage time's hard to come by when you move to a new town, so w- there's a creative backlog. And then around the time I would see YouTube sketches, that's when it was bigger than it is now. Now it's all about Vine, and I mean, maybe not Vine, but Instagram. <laughs> it's all bite-sized now. People right. just want to watch things for. Nobody wants to watch a standalone sketch anymore on YouTube. But at the time, there was a time for that, and so I was like, I could, I could do that. Your
0: short film about the dancer character—that seems like a feature film at this point,
1: right? That's kind of even
0: though it's short, it's still compared to the bite sizes.
1: Yeah. So I got into just doing sketches Mm -hmm. because I'm able to do things instead of sit on my hands, like oh, how God can't get booked anywhere, and it's just another outlet. And then that kind of picked up steam, and the ball rolled on that. And then it was just fun to have different things to plug into, like stand up, have sketch, um, write a thing. You definitely want to play to your strengths and be diversified and because you don't know what thing's going to hit like sure I got a I got on a TV thing a couple of TV things that's great and then when that dries up I have stand up I have a weekend here I have a college here so it's just nice to have different things to be busy with and you never know everything we do is just lottery tickets you don't know what's going to cash out but also don't spread yourself so thin that you're just doing th- things terribly <laughs> like I like dancing but I'm not going to I'm not going to, like, take dance class. I don't think that's going to be my in.
0: <laughs> not the 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 third in the Magic Mike trilogy? Right.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to go down this path. Just knowing your core competencies and playing to them, I think, is valuable. Who
0: or what do you turn to for inspiration?
1: For what, comedy or, or just to, anything?
0: To, yeah, to figure out what the next thing is. Especially now that you've just, you know, taped in or putting out this CISO special.
1: Uh-huh. Well, stand up is always the baseline. I've been doing it for so long. It's what I know. Um, so that's always going to be there. And I'm always generating ideas and it's very immediate. Like if I think of something today, mm-hmm. I can go up and do it at the, the store. So that's a nice little baseline. And then sometimes I'll have a thought. I'll be driving and it'd be, it's cool to be in a position as your profile raises. If you have a silly idea, now you may actually have the tools to see this idea to fruition when before you couldn't because you're just a runt in L.A. Right. and nobody really cares about you. Not that you're not funny, right. but you, all you have is potential and only you know about it. So until you get credits and people see you as a thing, it's going to be hard to see some of your ideas that are more elaborate to fruition. Whereas now I can. If I have an idea, I can. maybe I know a special effects guy. Maybe I know somebody who has access to it. There's more favors you can call in and you've just built relationships by being in this town long enough.
0: Right, but like, who do you, who do you turn to, or what do you like, pick up and and read or listen to to like, get those sparks going in you?
1: Music's a big part. Like, I love music, so every day I'm on Hype Machine, which is this website that's an amalgam of all these songs that are blogged about. So sometimes I'll hear a song and it sparks an idea. I read the news every day. I'm always, you know, on Google News and you know, just. A, Yeah, if you're on the internet, it's easy to have all the stories kind of seep into your subconscious and ideas will generate that way. And then living life, going to an audition or seeing a movie, ideas that way. So music, the news, and just living life are kind of what sparks my creativity.
0: I mean, like as we were walking over here to the comedy store, you were talking to me about pilot season is kind of like playing the lottery, you were saying. But there's all these different steps and there's all these... Stops along the way where you can get rejected.
1: Yeah. So like, – To we'll, be on a hit show, do you, yeah, the amount of things that have to go your way are insane. So, yeah, we were just talking about that.
0: So how do you – so how do you, you get the inspiration and be like, okay, I'm going to go to this woman's house in Glendale and be like, ah, screw it. Like, I, why, don't I, why am I doing this? Like, how do you – Well, I think – How do you keep playing the lottery? You
1: keep playing the lottery because you learn – it's This is a hard trait to develop when you're younger in Hollywood because everything is precious to you. Mm-hmm. But the more you get rejected and the more you get beat down, not in a negative or depressing way, but you just kind of see things for what they are, um, nothing is precious. And you're just doing it to do and to fill out the day. And if you do a good enough job, then cool, maybe you can go down this path. But I hold no value to this thing. Obviously, I do my best. Right. And I try to knock it out of the park. and. But I've already forgotten about it. I'm doing this podcast. I have a set. I have two spots tonight in store. I'm promoting my special. There's a lot. Have a lot of plates spinning, so that not, you don't have all your hopes and dreams invested into this one thing. Like if this audition that I had today, if mm. if that was I what I was pining over and just obsessing over for the past day, you reek of it when you're in the room and you wouldn't even be able to do it the way that that you want to, right? Because you had been looking over those three lines for 24 hours and you would say it like a weird robot because you've over-rehearsed it. So just learning that nothing is precious, do your best and yeah, just go about your day.
0: How do you maintain that attitude?
1: Just cause it's, it's like groundhog day. I've seen it before. I've right. been through this song and dance so many times that that's kind of the mentality you have to develop. Otherwise uh, you're going to go crazy or you're not going to be right. effective and I'm just too busy to dwell on that stuff. I think it's important to have enough things going in your life. And then also, it, confidence comes with doing a thing for long enough to where you know what you do well. And, and I always have stand up. And I have control over that. There are so many variables with acting. And right. maybe you don't have the right look. They loved you. But they, maybe you're too short. Maybe it's just so arbitrary right. for everything to line up and you be the perfect person for that, for that role. So why obsess over something that's so fleeting?
0: And yet so many people do. Or they yes, but are bitter we're, and cynical about it. And... But the
1: beauty of stand-up is that we have this other thing to occupy our time and that it's cool to pinch hit and hop in and if it mm-hmm. works out, great. But we're creators in our own right. So I, I do think stand-ups are the most versatile performers in Hollywood. You see a lot of them directing. You see a lot of them writing. The guy who adapted 12 Years a Slave was a stand-up. It's right, just, John Yeah. So it's just uh, – we're kind of like a Swiss Army knife of entertainment.
0: So um, you still have family in Seattle? Yeah, yeah. So if you go back there and you see some high school kid uh-huh. who is like, oh, I'm really inspired by your story. I want to do this. Yeah. What's the first thing you tell that kid?
1: Well, what does he want to do? What does he mean? Like, he wants to follow down my path and study engineering? I, I don't think that a lot of people are cut out to do what I did. Mm-hmm. It seemed very natural to me right, and very clear to do. I don't think a lot of people have that um, – are able to plow through that much math <laughs> or as I I did it to do.
0: What advice would you give someone, though, who's like torn? The, they I, I would. Pers- they want to pursue would. comedy. Sometimes I do get messages on pursue, Facebook. Yeah, they want to pursue comedy, but they're not sure – how to go I mean how to people go about aren't sure how to go about it or they're conflicted because they feel like it's such a risk compared to taking the safe route and going into engineering or going yeah into a my, office
1: job. Yeah, my advice would be go to college, get a legit degree. It doesn't have to be rocket science or medicine, mm-hmm. but just something where you definitely have a decent job outlook and salary. Something stable where you could support yourself. And then this artistic pursuit and passion you have, do it on the side. And really, your life is going to be your job and whatever this artistic passion is. You're not going to be able to party a ton or whatever. It's up to you. But for me, I I wasn't even thinking about partying and, Mm -hmm. and doing all that stuff because I had a task at hand. And there's a window to do what I'm trying to do. So all my time had to be stand up and work. Otherwise, I mean, I would have little bright spots of living a normal life, but there's not a lot of room for error. So I would say get a regular degree, get a, get a job, and do this artistic pursuit on the side with the intent of getting to the point where you can leave your springboard. Because people who will do a theater degree or I – mean, it sounds like I'm shitting on theater degrees. But but just something where you don't you don't get like a $50,000 a year job when you have a theater degree. You're no better off in the marketplace than right. if you didn't have the degree. So why not get something with teeth while you're in college for four years? Don't find yourself and
0: – Experiment. It,
1: it, again, it depends on what you want to do. Mm. But if you have this laser focus and if you're talking to me and you're saying you want this thing – right? Get out in four years, study hard get get your degree, and then do the stuff on the side with the intent of leave getting to a point where you can leave your day job and do it full time That's what I would do
0: well, Fahim, I look forward to catching back up with you in ten years after you've gotten this gig that you just auditioned for today <laughs> and it's gone into syndication i'll and, have a, I'll
1: have a catchphrase by
0: then man and, and uh I will dance to your catchphrase oh
1: man, dancing boy, <laughs> nice. <laughs>
0: I'm looking forward to it already.
1: Oh, no, me too.
0: <laughs> Thanks for you. Thanks for
1: having me. Last Things First.
0: This episode of The Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brzezell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave. Logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com more interviews, reviews, and comedy news, become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening.
1: Last things first. Last things first.